Laura. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Today, we're getting ourselves trapped near the inner circle of thought. You don't understand. That's fine. We don't expect you to. But taking me on a journey into the great beyond is returning guest Scott Corelli. So, Scott, is Defending Your Life a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? I think it should. And I I adore this movie. Okay. But, but I think that there's a lot of room for improvement and expansion cool i agree with the second half of that thought oh you didn't like this i hated this movie oh wow yeah we'll oh. get it we'll get into that in a moment but okay. more, more importantly i want to hear like i'd vaguely heard of this movie before mm-hmm. it's just kind of like in the ether of like movies i'd heard of but i went in completely blind i didn't know anything about this movie yeah. other than having heard of it mm-hmm. how did you first see this probably on hbo over the summer you know, was staying with my grandma. They had HBO, and so they played this a lot. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure I saw this before Beetlejuice, and so I think this was the first movie I ever saw that dealt with like the Great Beyond, yeah, and like an afterlife thing. And for for people who who know me, um, dueling genre listeners probably know this i am obsessed (laughs) with afterlife stories i don't think i knew that it is one of my absolute favorite like very specific genre things yeah and you know you make a movie about the afterlife and i'm there like i don't (laughs) i I don't know i'm fascinated by it similarly Uh, i also really really like it when i realized that that's what was happening i was like well this is great i'm fully on board (laughs) like i I love this stuff yeah yeah you know it's 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 they're just Something about like the world building of all of that and like hammering out rules and mm-hmm. but also the sort of like wish fulfillment of like everything great, everything's great here, yeah. you know, uh-huh. um, which I also really love. Uh, you know, obviously, I think that this movie has inspired a lot of things. The Good Place being like probably the biggest example. Oh, absolutely. There's no way you have The Good Place without defending your life. Yeah, no. It just no, doesn't happen. Yeah, no, no way. I also really love Albert Brooks. I think that Albert Brooks is is the person that everyone wants or or I shouldn't say wants. <laughs> Emulates? And, no, thinks that Woody Allen is. Um, oh. I really don't like Woody Allen. Correct. Like in terms of like – like Jewish comedian, writer, directors, everyone always like you go to film school and they're, yeah, no, he's a pedophile, obviously, but he made some really great movies. I'm like, but did he? I've but never... did he though? Like, yeah, I, Albert Brooks for me is what is the person that everyone should be yeah. looking at. And like, also he only made like eight movies and, and they're kind of, in my opinion, <laughs> I, in my opinion, they are they are um, I don't want to say they're all bangers, but they're all really interesting. And I think that they're really funny. And that is not I could not say the same about Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah, I'm also like even prior to like the 90s, when we're like, oh, I guess everything we heard about him is true. Yeah, it I, I, I've also I'm, I, I don't think I've ever found a Woody Allen movie that I really liked. Mm mm. 
No, and I remember when 500 Days of Summer came out, everyone was like, well, I mean, you know, it's fine, but it's just ripping off Annie Hall. And then I watched Annie Hall. I was like, okay, but Annie Hall sucks. Yeah. Like, it's bad. I mean, um, I, I what, was the, what was the Owen Wilson one? There was an Owen Wilson one that came out, Midnight. Oh, mi- uh, Midnight in Paris. Midnight in Paris. Yeah. I was there, fine. It, he does, he also, like, there's also, like, like that one has like a cool premise. Yeah. That you're like you want to be really good. He also has one that's called like the Purple Rose of Cairo that's sort of like a last action hero mm-hmm. type thing but with like a romance character, I think. Um, well, I he can't not. Yeah. Um and it's also like kind of like uh, this doesn't go hard yeah, enough. Yeah, and then he did an Emma Stone one with yeah. like disproving magicians or something. And I remember yeah. seeing that and enjoying it, but it was one of those things where like the more I thought about it, that I was like, no. Yeah. And yeah. then like the of course his movies always have a much older guy and a much younger woman. Yeah. Because he can't help himself because right. he's a fucking monster. Yeah. And but then Albert Brooks, yeah, so he's like he's like he makes a movie every like five or six years. Right. Takes his time. And then, and then also at a certain point, he came out with his last movie was called like Searching for Comedy in the Muslim World. It did not work. Oh no! And <laughs> and he took that as like a sign of being like, you know what? I think I'm out of touch. I'm gonna get out while the getting's good. And he's never made a movie since. Oh man, that was it. He was just like, no, I read the room, and the room was like, I think you're done. And I was like, you know what? I have I a lot of respect right. for that. Yes, yeah, that is, yeah. Like I got so. Again, I don't know that much about Albert Brooks. Yeah. Like, I, I guess with this movie that you just said the name of that I've already forgotten, Searching <laughs> yeah. for Comedy in the Muslim, wor- Muslim World, you I did forget. it. Yes. <laughs> Here goes <remember>. Sam. <laughs> like, I can't name any other Albert Brooks movies off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, he's got, uh, let's see, there's like Lost in America, I think is one. I think it's called something like that. Um, he did this one that was called Mother in 96 that was uh really funny i saw that in theaters my dad (laughs) took me to go see it and it's just about uh debbie reynolds plays his mom and he has to like move back in with his mom he's a struggling author and it's about their relationship and yeah you know it's just really it's really fun i think about there's a line in that movie that i think about all the time where she (laughs) digs out she's like do you want some sherbet i got some sherbet and pulls this sherbet out of the freezer and he eats it and he's like how old is this and she's like oh i don't know i probably it's probably been in there for like five years but it's frozen so it's still good and he was like it tastes like an orange foot and i think about (laughs) i think about orange sherbet tasting like an orange foot i think about that line all the time because his mouth is full of sherbet he's like it tastes like an orange foot um i think about that all the time uh i love Albert Brooks. I think he's great. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that I didn't like your movie. <laughs> well, you know, it is it's also it is one of my favorite movies, but I I went into this feeling like A, I don't think Sam has ever seen this. Correct. B, I think there's a lot of room for improvement of this movie, especially depending on the angle that you take on it. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that for Albert Brooks, his his thought process was like I'm just going to focus on the one the guy, the main guy, the guy right. I'm playing. Yeah. And I'm just going to focus on his arc and, and whatever. And like that, that's the only, cause otherwise this movie's going to get really long. Right. Yeah. And so like, otherwise we get the good place, which is great. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. But that's definitely more than a movie can handle. Right. Right. Um, and so like, I understand his instinct, but I do think that like, I, I think she, I, I think, I think, uh, Meryl Streep, fucking rules in this movie she's so good she's so good but they give her nothing they give her nothing and then <laughs> so like we treat her as like this like 
Albert Brooks sucks. Meryl Streep is great. That's what the movie is telling us. Mm -hmm. And we get through the entire movie, but then they're both on trams back to uh, being born again. No, she's not. She's moving on. Is she? Yes. There's trams that are moving on to the next world or whatever to heaven and then there's the he was on one of the trams that was going back to earth oh see i misunderstood that i just saw it as they were all like because the way i I interpreted the movie as it was happening it was like you either get to stay oh or you get sent back no you're only in judgment city for judgment got it all right um and I, I one aspect that i would love to like discuss maybe is like who the hell these lawyers are they like, were I like just just like in the world building of the afterlife. Who are these people? Are they angels? Are they humans that have like gotten bored of heaven and are now like lawyers or like what's the situation well, they, here? Like they said that they were all people like they said like Rip Torn even says, oh, yeah, yeah I was on Earth for so long. I oh, wrote, right. You're right. I wrote the line down. He said um, none of the smart people like to stay on Earth long. Right. Hey, that's a fucking dangerous line. Don't say that to people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, but like, like it was clearly like they had all been human at one point and they'd like ascended and now we're using the rest, like a lot of the rest of their brain and just like the different levels of yeah. ascendancy is just related to. So it's, they must it's be just human. The, it's just the meme. Yeah. This movie is the meme. <laughs> Small brain to omni brain or whatever. See, I don't, so I don't love that part. Neither do I. I don't love the brain stuff. Yeah. I think it's it's a very silly, outdated premise. It of is. Like the and Albert Brooks even hangs a lantern on it. He goes, I mean, I had to deal with penis envy on Earth, and now I have to deal with brain envy? Yeah. He hangs a lantern on it, but then they keep doing it. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, no, you're saying that it's bad. Yeah. You just said it's bad. Yeah. But we still do it. And then, like, the uh, the rip-torn replacement lawyer shows up, and he doesn't say anything. And it's like, yeah, but this guy's got 54. He's using 54% of his brain. I hate that part of the movie because uh, and, and i love this movie but i hate that there's just a scene where rip torn isn't there yeah just, like what was he just not available that day and they just shot around him or like what what happened so my interpretation of that scene is that and i guess you should go back and explain the movie to people who haven't yes. seen it but like my interpretation of that scene is that this guy is so smart he's using so much of his brain that he realizes that there's absolutely nothing to do for this guy yeah. this guy is done yeah and so it would be a waste of everyone's time, us super great big brain people, to make an argument on his behalf. It doesn't matter. Nothing we do here matters. He's going back regardless. Yeah. And so uh, this dude's a lost cause. So why would I waste the rest of our time? I'm just here to like, okay, great. Yeah. Let's move on. Right. We are big brains. We have to go uh, hang out and eat dirt. <laughs> yeah. Like all the smart people do. Yeah. The stuff like that, that 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 stuff. There's like little details in this that I just I'm like you. I, this could be so much better. And and also I think the budget was fairly low for yeah. this. And so a lot of the look of everything I think is the most boring version of what this could be. Yes, it was very much. So they show us two cars at the beginning, and they're like, "This is the greatest BMW, or whatever it is, you're ever going to see." And they show it to us, the audience. And as people who are not in the 80s, we can look at these cars and see that they are awful. Just <laughs> just bad. Yeah. And like, oh my god, this car is perfect. Yeah, but that's not yours. Your car is this one. It looks exactly the same. <laughs> it looks exactly the same. Yeah. And like whatever. It's just, it's a it was very very 80s. Very. Yes. <laughs> and I and just 
just all the notion of like, oh man, this guy's a failure because he didn't in- invest in Casio. That's why he doesn't get to go to heaven. <laughs> well, but like they explain that because that's what his argument is. It is. And they explain, no, it's not about the money. Right. It's I, about the fear. Yes, I agree with that. Yes. I just I, I just like as I'm watching it, I was like, I know he's calling it out, but it's very funny to me. Yes. And like sure. then the judge is like, of course I know what Casio is. I'm wearing one. <laughs> Which I'm just like, how did you get that? <laughs> How did they get any of this? <laughs> yeah. These people said they haven't been on Earth in like hundreds or thousands of years, but they're using computers and using all this other stuff. They're using the most 80s of 80s things. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, we get it. Yeah. See, that's part of the problem with the movie. I think, you know. It doesn't I, feel otherworldly. No. And I I love Albert Brooks, but he is not a visually interesting director. No. He doesn't have like a, like – his his art is in his writing yeah. and and not necessarily in like art direction and this needed art direction. Yeah. It needed honestly it need it's a good idea but it needed a different director. Yeah. Yeah. Um but for people who haven't seen this movie who like me went in just having heard of it before right how could how would you succinctly summarize defending your life so so the concept of the movie is that um Albert Brooks plays a man named Daniel who in the opening moments of the of the film, dies in a car wreck. Uh-huh. Um, and after being shamed for deciding to spend his birthday alone, right? And he goes. He he basically like enters the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, but the afterlife is a five day process in which um, he it's has nine days for him. Um, no, he's viewing nine days. It is oh. a five day process for everyone. Okay, I misunderstood. Yeah, they're choosing nine days out of his life. Yes, that was a timetable thing I misunderstood. Yes, you're correct. Yeah. So, so it's five days and, um, he basically each day he wakes up, he goes to the courthouse, he goes to a room, he has a defender, uh, and a prosecutor, and they basically go through days in his life and it's and it's basically like how many days is it going to take to prove our case that yes. he should either move on or be reborn in this world there is apparently not a hell or at least they only reference it in like a joking manner almost like almost as if like they're making fun of the small brain people who think that there's a hell yeah um i like that concept like i've if i'm being honest i've used that sort of concept in like short stories and stuff i've mm-hmm. written before of like the concept of like an extreme heaven or hell is yeah. fine it's just like it's just a process and like the souls get washed from whatever they need and then they go back and do the thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do really like that. I like the constant learning mm-hmm. um, that they have. And like that's the idea. So there's a lot of reincarnation in this. Um, it's kind of Buddhist in that way. Yeah. Um, but the idea is – and that's and that's the thing that they probably should have leaned into instead of the big brain thing is the enlightenment thing because I think that's what they're saying uh-huh. is that we are more enlightened than you. But they kept focusing on the big brain and using a bigger part percentage of your brain that was just very – 80s but yeah that's essentially what it is and so each day he goes and he does this but then that's an only like a full-time job it's like a nine to five con like thing and so like at the end of the day he gets to go and like explore judgment city which is the name of the city that he's in um and right he gets to eat food that is the greatest food that you've ever had in your life and you're able to eat an unlimited amount right and it, you never get full and you never gain weight mm-hmm. right and so it's just um, he gets to go and explore like his past lives. He goes to like a museum and gets to see his past lives, things like that. It's it's very 
it's it's very I love all the world building, but it's not executed at a hundred percent. Right. I would say. Cause even the food <laughs> when I love shrimp, like I do love shrimp. <laughs> when that plate of shrimp came, I was like, that could look better. Yeah. That didn't look that didn't like, look like the best shrimp. That's your best shrimp? Yeah. <laughs> and then he I mean he he's not gonna eat it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that also annoys. That drove me crazy. Is every time he gets to eat that food, he, he gets, gets interrupted. He takes one bite, and I'm <laughs> like, like let us, especially considering how many cooking shows everyone watches now. Yes. It's like, oh my god, let us enjoy this food. Yeah, yeah. So that's a note. Let let them enjoy their food. <laughs> and then he meets a woman played by Meryl Streep, who he like instantly falls in love with. I have a note about that that I want to get to with our remake. But it basically instantly falls in love with each other. They don't say the word soulmates, but it almost appears that that's what's going on here. Right. Because they fall for each other very quickly. Yeah. And they have this whirlwind romance while she is being touted as like, you're done. Like, all of this is like formalities. Like, right. you are not going back to Earth. You are moving on because you had an amazing life, finally, you know, and it's it's time for you to go to heaven and enjoy um, the afterlife while he is being told like you've been through this 20 times and and you're just not getting it buddy yeah you're just not getting it like kind of is... circling the recycle bin over here <laughs> yeah um and so it's a thing where um you know you get toward the end of the movie and he is being sent back to earth and she is moving on to heaven and they're on two separate trams and then he basically breaks the rules breaks well, out and runs to her we're, tram. we're skipping a step which is a really important step especially because it's part of why I didn't care for the movie in the judgment of how they uh, decide whether or not someone lived a successful life is how much they were ruled by fear. Mm -hmm. And uh, Albert Brooks, they keep treating it as everything he did, he did scared. Mm -hmm. And he has all these moments in his life where he didn't do things because he was scared. And that's why he's not ready to move on as Mm -hmm. opposed to Meryl Streep who basically never lived in fear. Mm-hmm. She asked everyone's name. She did this. She did that. And I, and, uh, and that's what part of why she's able to move on. Yeah. She ran back into a burning building right. to save the, uh, cat, which, of course you do. You, you go save the cat. Yes. That's <laughs> so it's a screenwriting it, rule. It, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, we, there was a whole book about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but like, that's how the afterlife decides is how much fear did you live in? And I think that, that is a side effect of – I think Albert Brooks needed a co-writer on this. Um, and he usually does. This is like one of the only movies that he has written solo. Okay. Um, he usually has a female co-writer that he works with all the time. But she did not co-write this one with him for some reason. And I think that if he had – Strong religious background. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going um, to – I don't even know her name. But yeah. I, I'm willing to cast aspersions. <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, he wrote this one solo and I think that it shows in stuff like that where the big brain thing, I think he's just like, I can't do like enlightenment. This is 1991. People are not going to understand what that is or be yeah. turned off. But I have to do very common denominator kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that that's the problem with it is that you're right. The fear thing doesn't work. Yeah. And, and for a multitude of reasons, one of which the main thing is that like, it just doesn't make sense for what they're talking about. Like when they talk about her, they do talk about fear, but it really does seem like she's just more enlightened than she's like, not going to get anything out of going to earth again. Right. Um, and, and for him, it's like, he made a lot of mistakes, 
But a lot of them were mistakes. Like there's a moment when the prosecutor says, and now we're just going to have a series of videos of just (laughs) him being stupid and falling down. Yeah. And it's like, none of this is based on fear. Yeah. He might be an idiot. Yeah. Or unlucky. But a lot of this isn't strictly his fault. (laughs) Sure. Sure. And it was just like, so part, so there are two things that really, really bother me about the movie. One of them is that everyone is being judged based on whether or not they were overcoming fear. Yeah. And I think that is inherently flawed. Yes. As someone who lives with a lot of anxiety, like a a lot of anxiety. Sure. All the time. And just like, for people who don't suffer from anxiety, basically like the anxiety is always going to win. Yeah. And it's just how much of a fight are you willing to put up with today? Yeah. And sometimes you're just not willing to put up a, sometimes you just don't have it in you to fight the anxiety today. Yeah. And every major thing you're doing, you have, you have to fight it. Yeah. And some people don't have that. And if like, that's the de- the decision maker from whether or not you get into heaven, that's bullshit. Yeah. To, to me, it feels like what should have been happening. Cause there was a line that I really liked early in the movie mm-hmm. where Rip Torn was like, they were discussing charity. And like, how much, what's the number? How much charity do I, did I need to give to like go to heaven? And he was like, I, we're not going to talk about numbers because it's different for every person. Right. That's, that's irrelevant. But I do wish you had been kinder to yourself. And I was like, that's the thing that everything should be pointing toward. I agree with that too. So one of the things that I think is important is I think even if we have our main character, it's based on fear for him. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, again, I misinterpreted the end of this movie because I thought uh, uh, Meryl Streep was – I keep wanting to say Julie Andrews. Meryl Streep was going back to Earth also. So I misinterpreted that. But what I thought would have been really interesting would have been if we're seeing this character and she is living this big fearless life Mm. and then she does end up going back to Earth. But it's because that's not the metric she was being judged on. Mm. She was being judged on – something else mm-hmm. we'll come to that in a minute but like and so but the but daniel kept being like well i'm being judged on fear therefore everyone is right and he, like he never took the time to get to know people and right because it, it's for me less like enlightenment and being selfless yeah which albert brooks was largely a like a selfish cowardly guy kind of the whole time and it mm-hmm. was kind of going back and forth between both of those mm-hmm. and he was dumb but that was just because it's a comedy and we have to have jokes somewhere. sure yeah jokes and like even when we're in heaven we're in not heaven but we're in an afterlife you can eat as much of this amazing delicious food as you want and he kept being like yeah but you don't want to keep eating it right and it's like let her enjoy her food yeah well and see and that's the stuff that like there's that scene with the shrimp and the and the uh, fettuccine yeah where she's just eating and eating and he's like i can't eat all i can't eat a a, a fishing boat full of shrimp in front of my prosecutor yeah. she's right over there judging me and it's like nobody you are being judged for not doing that right because you can they told you do all you want. Yeah. Embrace being here, but you're not embracing being here you because you're not being kind to yourself. Just bring you nine pies. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah. Enjoy your pies. Yeah. Oh, if I had a pile of nine pies next to me, I would be enjoying my meal even more. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. Yeah. Especially if you know they're going to be the best pies you've ever eaten in your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, for me, the other thing that really bothered me in this movie was that every single person who worked in the afterlife was basically a jerk. Hmm. Okay. Uh, like almost 
to a person. The fact that every single resident, the people who lived in the in Judgment City and like worked there and did the restaurants and did the law stuff, basically they're just like, yeah, these little brains. They yeah. don't. They have no respect for the people that theoretically they're trying to help. Right. And they just kind of like treat them as like like sad animals. Yeah. Yeah. Like they just like no, oh, you, you look you, at all these lost causes. Yeah. Right. They don't know, but. They're gonna die. Yeah, yeah, or it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It does. It does feel that way a lot, and that is definitely something that I would want to jettison. <laughs> yes, yes. Because like even, even the stand-up comedian who is clearly a terrible, terrible comedian. That said, the bomb shelter is an excellent name for a stand-up location, and I saw that and I was like, that is so good. Yeah, that is an that is such a good name. Yes. <laughs> Especially considering he is bombing so hard. <laughs> and like, we're supposed to believe that this guy was the enlightened one or whatever. And he's like, yeah, but I'm performing for all of you guys. You're not laughing. Cause you don't get it. Yeah. And then he like, the, the two of them want to leave and he's like, no, please. I'm literally begging you to stay. Yeah. I'm going to sing a song. I think I love what I love about that is I think that was a Albert Brooks, like making a joke about those kinds of comedians. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like I, within the world of the movie, I was just yeah. like, everyone's a jerk the, yeah the waiters are jerks like they don't understand like the only nice person was the guy who kept bringing him pies and steaks yeah he's good i liked the the sushi guy the sushi crew like they were fun they were fun <laughs> they were they were fun when they weren't just like walking stereotypes <laughs> sure there is there is mild xenophobia in this movie yes i would say mild because i think it's largely harmless most of it um it's the sort of thing that would lead albert brooks to be like I think I'm done. Yes. A few years. When I was like, oh, I guess people don't like these jokes anymore. Right. That, that like, they're my, whenever I have a moment of silence, I need to fill the void. This is the joke I go to. Yeah. 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 Uh, but no, like, even the sushi chefs were like, nine days, guys. Nine days. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Sh- general shouting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like. So Taking a piss. But for me, <laughs> I, like, I would treat it like, the, like, all these people are social workers they're people who just love helping people like their yeah. version of enlightenment yeah is getting to help all these people who need help yeah and that's like kind of the ad like you're in the afterlife mm-hmm. why would you be judgmental mm-hmm. i know it's called judgment city but relax yeah yeah it's de- it, it's definitely like to me right and and it's not going to be the version that i'm uh, that i want to pitch with you today um <laughs> because because i want to strictly focus on a remake of this movie right um you but, don't want to do what you did with father of the bride where you just come in and like pitch an entire movie that well, you should write well no 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 i i don't want to do what i did with back to the future which is oh. i think that the perfect version of this as a remake is as a series where you the oh. main characters are the lawyers got it and each season each season is like eight episodes and focuses on new defendants oh that's a good show yeah that's a great <laughs> show right yeah where it's like every every season is like a, like like two new defendants or whatever but i mean like they also have that show and like that can just be like if they ever bring back the good place it's just like here's the crop this year going through like the system oh yeah that's true yeah, yeah. but um you need to meet Mike Schur and just make that happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I, that's all it would. That's all it would take is just to meet him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he seems affable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure no one ever approaches him with a good idea before. No, it never happens. Not. Never, <laughs> never. So, so what are you thinking in terms of a defending your life remake? So, my first thing is, and I think it's a problem with this movie, and I think that it it all comes down to the fact that I think he worked backwards from the ending. 
mm-hmm. which is like, I want this big, sweeping, romantic ending of Kim giving up any fear that he has of like breaking the rules, like all of his anxiety because he just doesn't want to lose her. Cool. And running to the getter and like they're in separate trams. Why are they in separate trams? Well, obviously she's moving on and he isn't. So then if she's moving on, that means that she has to be more enlightened than he is, which means that she doesn't have anywhere to grow or go. And so like you just end up in a place where it's like, oh, we're going to spend zero time with her. Right. And so I especially because the ending doesn't work because like oh it's this big brave thing the man has nothing left yeah it's like literally what does he have to lose that's true literally nothing right why wouldn't he do this right right um i think it i think it works on like it 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 cheats yes it it work it work like it it cheats into thinking making you think it works it's the big it's literally the moment in the airport of like running across the airport it's the 80s it's the 80s afterlife equivalent of running across (laughs) the airport to stop her from getting on the plane right right. and, and never coming back right 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 it's literally just that so my feeling is i think they both need to be a little broken correct um i would also say that they are both going to be going back to earth at the end of the movie until you get to the very, very end. But I think that that's the, I think they are both ending up that they're going to go back and be reborn. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think to me, I think that the, the thing that you need to have here is that they both made a mistake. Cause there's this moment where she's like, don't I know you? Yeah. And they never really talk about that. I thought it was going to be his mom or something. It it ends up just being, it feels like it just ends up being like, well, they're soulmates. So it's just going to feel like they know each other. But I like the idea of they both met on Earth and then they they both like kind of chickened out of like asking the other person out. I love that. And then and then as a result, the rest of their lives just like happened the way that they happened. And now they're defending those lives. But if they had just been together, they would have grown together in a way that would have allowed them both to move on. Got it. So Um, like it's like Matrix 4. Yes. It is just like Matrix Four. Um, it's, but, it's Matrix Resurrections meets wrist cutters. Yeah, but that did, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Um, but that. But that's. But I think that that's what would have happened if they had followed through on that one chance meeting that they had. So they vaguely recognize each other because this was like a big moment for both of them. But neither of them really remember the yeah. moment. And then it is over the course of them falling in love in the po- that they are growing as people the right. way they were always meant to. And I think that you make that make sense by saying having it set up in Act One that all of like your senses are heightened. That's why the food tastes so good. But also your emotions are heightened, and everything is going like everything right. happens quickly. Yeah, you know. And so the fact that they're falling in love so quickly and so deeply is because they're in judgment city not because the movie the movie as it stands is just sort of like it's just happening it's not because they wouldn't be experiencing those emotions anyway it's just happening faster than it would happen in real life correct and in the course of the five days they're going from beginning of relationship to having been together their entire lives right because everything is being is moving quickly because it that's the time that it's an accelerated time scale exactly and i think they're being sent back at the end they're both being sent back in separate trams, and then it is when they both break out of their trams to be like, "I don't, I don't want to lose this." Yeah, that that's the moment that the people in charge are like, "I think, like," and I also think that there needs to be some sort of element of like a, um, like not like a ticking clock, but like 
an element of like of like the ju- like each day on the judgment there's like a meter or something. Well, you, it's one of those things that needs to be represented visually because like, yes. I didn't realize that it was going to be five days because if you it's if you don't hear it at the beginning of the movie you're not yes. going to hear it. It's one of those things where you you back to the future it a little bit where yes. parts of them start disappearing. Sure. Or like they start to lose aspects of who they were because their souls are already starting to get washed away so they can be sent back. There needs to be some sort of visual component to recognize the fact that when they meet at when they both break out of their trams and meet in that road. Yeah. The the meters both hit green and they're like they're done cooking. Yeah. They right. can move on. And then a tram pulls up with them and takes them to the afterlife. Right. I think that's how the movie should end. And like you can even visual like so the it's really boring to look at, but the 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 costume design of the entire movie is that all of the the dead people are wearing i think tupas is what they call them yeah that's what they call them and they're just like they're just white robes they're white robes with a with a uh cummerbund yeah yeah cool <laughs> yeah i bet it was super comfy to film yeah which i legit mean because that looks super comfy <laughs> uh but like it doesn't look good no um it looks like an afterlife yeah because like that's your first like clue that everyone's in the app like either everyone's in like an assisted living or <laughs> everyone's dead yeah because uh, it's just a bunch of people in white robes. Yeah. And not a single harp to be seen, though. No. Interesting. They all seem like they should be holding harps, though. Yeah. I, just as a fun joke thing, like, oh, and uh, here's your harp. Uh, this is a this is a flash drive. Yeah, it has all the information you need on it. We call them uh, harps. The Here's all uh, really uh, profit. I don't know. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, it's something dumb. It's like, <laughs> if you're going to be putting everyone in white robes, you got to give them a heart, yeah. harp, and wings. Yeah. Uh, but why aren't they flying? budget uh <laughs> yes but, but like if at the end like but all the all the residents are full color fully dressed like none of them are wearing tupas right and if it like a really dumb would be like all of a sudden they get filled with color again mm. like if they're literally draining of color and then it, it comes back yeah but one of my plus ups is that one of the things they have in the afterlife is they have this pavilion of previous lives yes. where they get to go see all the previous lives of their souls being on earth. Mm-hmm. That's lovely, but I think it misses the point. Yes. I think it needs to be a pavilion of your life. Mm. Like, and you need, you get to go and watch aspects of, like, cause everyone has like the days that they want to see or experience again. Or like, like you get to, everyone talks about, Oh man, if only I could see this for the first time again. Sure. Here you get to go and see it for the first time again. You yeah. get to, experience all those emotions again yeah and like if daniel and whatever meryl streep's name is she she might not have one uh julia oh yeah i have a joke about that (laughs) um uh daniel and julia go and they start watching and this is how they can discover the fact that basically they had this near miss with each other and then their lives went this other way yeah i like that because then it is well yeah I don't know. It's interesting because because you could you could discover it that way because you don't want it to be discovered in the case. No, this is uh this is act two to act three kind of bridge kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense. I I could also see another version of this just being like after they go to heaven, you have like a final scene that just like goes back to like that moment where they yeah. almost met and then didn't that's good too yeah either way we i think we need to see it yeah for sure and we need to see like how like how that was indicative of what their various problems were Mm -hmm. because i think like having the the hall of previous lives 
doesn't serve a purpose in the movie now. It's just a venue for a joke in that yeah. his previous life was just someone who was scared of, die- of being eaten by a... <laughs> oh, no. He's scared. He's yeah. being chased by a t- lion or a tiger or something. Of course <laughs> yeah. he's scared. This is the moment you pick? And, I, the, and she's Prince Valiant. Yeah, but the <laughs> that yeah. So there, there's a lot of like stuff that just doesn't really work there. I mean the I mean the joke of being like, "What are you?" and he's like, "Dinner" is funny. It is but, a good line. Yeah, but but also I nothing makes me laugh harder than um, than the uh, the old man who sees himself as like the little, little girl. girl and just like freaks out. <laughs> and he's and is just like, like "What I've, the hell is this? I have never what the hell's going on?" <laughs> and then the the old woman who sees herself as a sumo wrestler and then. St- screams for some reason <laughs> it's just oh we're old white people we're it's scared just, of things there's something about that that tickles me I yeah don't know. um uh, it, it would have if we'd followed through but we didn't because we don't see them later of that old guy then with the doll being like wow this is really relaxing brushing oh, some doll's hair sure and the woman like get, and the woman getting into a wrestling uh, like i am good at this uh-huh. like that like it's it's the this is silly, but with no follow through on like yeah. ha- like payoff. I also think, in general, there's there's, I think that it would be more interesting if at a certain point instead of doing the the pavilion, um, I think we do the pavilion like you said, like the re-experiencing memories thing. But I think that early on they should be put into a machine that like gives them all of the memories of every time they've been on earth so that they can be a little more enlightened going into their defense so that it's less an argument about their life this last time and more of like the whole picture of like, what have you done? Like you've Mm -hmm. been on earth 20 times. How was this life better than the last life? Right. What did you do that was better this time? Right. That the last time you can be like, wow, I can't believe this guy's got more together. And having that perspective, I think could be interesting. I agree. I also think it fixes the other problem of just a bunch of people talking about someone who's in the room who can't really defend his life. Right. Because it's not, it sucks watching that. It's just a bunch of people bullying this guy. <laughs> Literally everybody bullying this guy and then being like, so why didn't you hit this guy? Because I didn't want to hit him. Yeah. I'm, I, I have to go, I have to get punished because I didn't want to get in a fight. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also the, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because I think that there's of like, all the options, the only option they suggest is, well, why didn't you hit him? There, there were other things I could do, mm-hmm. and I clearly had an abusive father. And then you're going to punish me because I came clean because I like didn't want to get further punished by my abusive father. Yeah, uh, I don't. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sorry. I, 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 I understand what you're saying, but I do think that you're missing the point a little bit. Look, I get that it's based on fear. I get that. But a lot of his fears I saw as being vaguely justified. Like, it's, it's, more, it's less about the thing that's physically happening to me. It, it should have been more about the thing that was physically happening to me and more about, well, we see what led up to this moment. What were your options? Mm-hmm. You went with the worst one. Mm-hmm. It's less, why didn't you do this one thing? Right. Why didn't you trust this random guy who we've never seen before? We don't know what your relationship is. Maybe he's like a brother to you and you still didn't trust him. That's a problem. Yeah. Or maybe he's someone you haven't seen in 10 years and right. you don't want to give him your entire savings. I think it's less about fear and it should more be about taking the easy option. You took the, I, yeah. you took the, the easiest option. 
I think that's more interesting. I think easy option, selflessness, I think those are better than fear necessarily. Yeah. Because literally they use it as a joke. And if someone is truly without fear, then they're a sociopath. Yeah. And that's also a problem. Right, right. Like, I could see all of the people who are the residents being without fear because they're all assholes. Yeah. They don't give a shit what anyone thinks about them. They're just going to be mean to everybody. Yeah, that's also a very 80s thing. It um, is. Because I, I I doubt you've seen Donnie Darko. You've never seen Donnie Darko. I've seen right? the first half of Donnie Darko and then class ended and I never went back to it. Oh, okay. Um, did you get to the point where, um, what's his name and his like uh, his uh, love versus fear tape? I was 15. I don't remember. Okay, all right. Fair enough. Like, um, I would watch Donnie Darko. It's just, it's never, like, I literally watched it in high school and then just never went back to it. Yeah, so so that movie takes place in the 80s and there's, like, a guy that has, like, a self-help tape and it's about, like, every everything comes down to either love or fear. Sure. And either you're doing things through love or you're doing it through fear and you should not do things through fear and only do things through love. So I think that it's just a very, like, 80s Thing. Yeah, because I think that the Donnie Darko that video in Donnie Darko is a reference to just like self help stuff from sure. the eighties, and I think that that's what's going on here, and mm-hmm. why they're so focused on fear. And I think since then we've learned that like that's not it. That, yeah, that's not the thing. Did you ever see the Jim Carrey movie Yes Man? Yes, correct. Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it. It's there's so many opportunities in your life that would be interesting that you would enjoy if you'd just be willing to like take a chance and say yes to something you wouldn't normally say yes to. Yeah. The movie doesn't execute it particularly well. If I remember correctly, I remember enjoying the movie when Mm -hmm. I watched it, but it doesn't really have like a cultural staying power. No, not like liar, liar. Um, or (laughs) the other one I was gonna say, was like compare it more to like the bucket list, which kind of has the same mm. idea behind it of take these chances, do these things because you never know when you're going to die. Right. Right. Bucket list stuck around and invented the term bucket list. Mm. That movie that it's a lot of people don't realize that that term didn't exist before the movie bucket list. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, it's but, just so permanently in cultural, whatever, but like it's it, it like it, I think it'd be more interesting of, all right, we see what you chose and you lived that experience. Here's the experience. And, and even with the, uh, the love life thing of, well, here's what you missed out on. Mm-hmm. And if you were a more enlightened person, here's what you would have gotten to experience. And you would have kind of foreseen the right path to choose. Right. And we, and that's, I think we could see multiple different options. Mm-hmm. Cause like, let's say, uh, Daniel had punched that kid back. Mm-hmm. Would he, his life have been better or would his life have been worse? Right. We don't know. Right. And it's just, it's just about the moment and not about the consequences. Right. And I think I would be more interested in seeing the branching possibilities mm-hmm. of, okay, here are all the different options and here's where they all lead. And you so, and you just consistently picked the worst one. Yeah. And that shows that you're not enlightened. That, that like, e- like you, you, you think it's a dichotomy. It's this or that. Right. But it's not. There's all these other possibilities. Uh, yeah. I think the ultimate argument is like they have more to learn, which, yeah. which goes back to um, another aspect of this that I want to plus up, which is that of the prosecutor role. Um, in the movie, she oh, is I based her. She, but she's basically a bully. Yeah. Um, and, and she is making weird arguments like the, like, why didn't you punch this kid? Um, which is very strange. It is. Weirdly, I liked her because she was doing her job and I didn't like Rip Torn because it felt like he wasn't. Mm. Well, so, um, I think that I, but I don't think that she was doing her job because it, it felt to me like her job 
in this version of the movie was to keep people out of heaven for mm-hmm. the sake of keeping them out of heaven. Yeah. Um, and I would like the prosecutor character in the remake to be to seem that way at first and then at some point basically just have to like talk to Daniel um, and be like, look, man, <laughs> it's not that I don't like you. It's not that I think you're a bad person. It's just that you have a lot to learn. And if you aren't enlightened before going to heaven, it's not going to be a fun time for you. Yeah. Like you, you, you have, it will just taste like dirt. Yeah. Right. Like you have to have gotten to a certain place emotionally, spiritually in order to move on. And you're just not there. I'm not trying to be a bully. I'm just trying to show that you're not ready. Yeah. And like, I'm doing, I'm doing, this is for you. Right. Because they kept talking about how, go, like, it, they kept kind of using the heaven and hell mentality of it. When even earlier in the movie, it was you move on yeah. or you go back to Earth. Right. As if Earth is hell. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, look, the worst case scenario is you get to go back to Earth and live another life. Right. You liked being alive. Right. It's not a punishment. It just means that there are more things for you to learn. You just have to take more classes or whatever. Yeah. Though, I would like to add an extra, like, a bit of of anxiety mm-hmm. to that because Great. because it would be like dying forever because because it, you wouldn't be retaining your memories but if we're introducing that you get all your previous lives back true. then it that's doesn't true. matter then it's, it's, then a it's not like dying then forever it's a little, then it's a little better um i think i think you're right i think that's i i think having that plus up does help but i it does bother me in the movie that they're just like yeah it's no big deal and it's like he's literally dying forever yeah. like if he goes back to earth he ceases to exist correct um and i don't i that was like uh, yeah. scary that freaked me out a little bit a little bit yeah <laughs> and, and it's and it, it shouldn't it's just reincarnation right that's the whole point exactly that's why i want to like bring everybody back so that it's like it is you do get a better a stronger sense that this is one soul yes yeah yeah i agree with that yeah so do we want julia and daniel to be overcoming the same thing or do we want them to be overcoming different things i think they want they should be overcoming different things and together they would have been able to overcome them to get like yes together. I, I agree i think that that's i think that's the thing and it's like it's more of a uh a, a, a you know the whole like fear anxiety whatever not taking chances yes that sort of thing it's more of just like you missed out on this and if you had just yeah been with her if you had just been with him you both would have helped each other grow this take, take the correct branching possibilities exactly you you would have been you would have had a support system with yeah. each other. Yeah. And like, regardless of where you came from, it, you, th- this would have been your person. And just like, you missed, because of this flaw, mm-hmm. you missed out on all of this. And yeah. it's just this amazing rainbow cornucopia, CGI fest, whatever. Right. Right. Um, so, what are they? What's Daniel's? What's Julia's? <sighs> That's a good question. I don't think it should be strictly fear. No. I, I think it could even be as as like like just self-consciousness yeah like self-consciousness and fear are two different things well the thing with 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 it is daniel right daniel they they have generic names um yeah they have generic white people names yeah they do yeah it is daniel daniel and do you want me to do my julia Um, joke now uh, sure okay (laughs) how many julias has meryl streep played in her career oh well at least one Uh uh-huh she's julia in this movie 
She's Julia Child in the movie oh, oh, yeah. Julia and Julia. Yeah. And she also played Anne Marie in the movie Julia. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I just look because I knew she was in Julia and Julia and I knew she's Julia in this. I was like, I'm gonna look it up. And I was like, there might be a third option. <laughs> Turns out the movie Julia. Yeah. It was one of her earlier movies. Well, there she plays you go. Anne Marie. So I think with Daniel, I think his thing should be Again, going back to that line that Rip Torn says where he's like, I wish you were more charitable with yourself. Oh, I, I missed something. I thought of something and then I, we went down a different path. Oh, I wanted to go back to something. Okay. Rip Torn says a different line. He says, we're all cogs in the grand machine of the universe. Yeah. And I thought that was a particularly interesting role because I think, because then Daniel follows it up with like, well, how much do I need to give to charity? What do I have to do to meet everyone else's requirements? It's like, yeah. well, it doesn't matter what everyone else has to do. It has to matter... What you do. Yeah. What do you have to do to be the, so that you are the correct piece you're supposed to be. Right. And I think that's important of, he keeps trying to be like everyone else, what everyone else is doing instead of being the best version of himself. Right. Um, And I think that that comes down to um, him not being particularly kind to himself. Yes. And not thinking highly of himself. Mm -hmm. And I think that things like the clip show, of him acting like an idiot, right? Yeah. And them all laughing and him being like, oh, uh, like being embarrassed. I feel like all you needed was an extra thing of just like, why are you embarrassed? Yeah. People make mistakes. Right. Why do you feel so bad? Like, this is funny. You should be laughing with us. Yeah. Like, it's funny that you made these mistakes. None of these mistakes matter. Every single one of these would be an amazing story for you to tell other people. Right. Those are the best things. Do you know how many of the of these events you told as a funny story or a funny anecdote to people? Zero. Why? Because you were embarrassed. Because you felt bad about yourself. Yeah. And that's why you're here defending your life right now. That's a really big moment. That's really good. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yes. I think I think it is all about self-esteem. He yes. just doesn't think very highly of himself. It's good. why he didn't talk to Julia. Yes. That moment that he met her during his life when they crossed paths. Mm-hmm. He didn't talk to her because he was just like, just well, she wouldn't did, want to talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. No self-confidence. Right. Great. So I think that's his thing. That makes sense for him. So let's talk about her. Do, so do we want to treat Julia as like, we, we're like, why would she be interested in me? I'm terrible and she's great. Like, like the, I don't think so. I think she needs to have a, a flaw. Well, the, uh, the obvious flaw that we can do is the, it's to basically turn her into Tahani where it was all done so that people thought she was great. It's like the whole Tahani thing of, Oh sure. Like you, you Tahani from the good place. For Tahani from the good know. place. Yeah. Uh, of appearing to be perfect, but all doing it for selfish motivation. Yeah. And but the problem is that's Tahani from the good place. It's been done before. Yes. But that was so. That was like my knee jerk, like first thought. But there's got to be something else. Yeah. Something else that would make her not turn around and go talk to Daniel. I think. I think for her, it is. I. I. I think there's like. Okay. So like. I'm trying to I'm trying to like figure out how to how to word this, but it's like the idea. Do you ever meet that person that never focuses on themselves and is just constantly helping other people? Yes. To the to the to the uh, detriment of their own lives. Yeah. Where like they're not happy. 
Yeah. But they're happy that all the people around them are happy. Yeah. And all the people in their lives are happy. And I wonder if there's this moment where they meet in like, let's just say a coffee shop if we want to get super generic about it. Sure. Um, and, and they could have had this moment, but someone else was counting on her to be somewhere or do something. And she's, there's a possibility that she might have let someone down just a little bit. Yeah. And so she leaves and mm-hmm. it's just like, it's like you never do anything for yourself. Yeah. Ever. Your whole life. I mean, that's also self. It's self care, but a different kind of self care. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and it's like he, like you always put other people's you other you always value other people over you. Yeah, so that's one option. The other option is to look at what complements Daniel's problem. So if Daniel's problem is is uh, not is that self care thing of like uh-huh. that self esteem thing, how do we counteract that with? With her. What could she have that he doesn't have? And what does he have that she doesn't have that would complement each other? Sure. I actually think the original pitch is that. Okay. Because if Daniel's being worried about like his lack of self-confidence, mm-hmm. having someone who's constantly caring about him is important, but then they'd but then they'd also have to take it back because if she's spending all her time like the entire time it's like, oh, complimenting Daniel, you're so great, you're so smart, you're so funny, and then he's just like, Well, you're really pretty. Yeah. And I I feel like it's you're spending so much time complimenting me. What are you great at? Yeah. And it's like the he, idea of it's, so- he she's feeding a she's feeding his self-confidence in a way that doesn't stick. Yeah. Until finally it's like, "Oh, you really mean these things." Yeah. You're really paying attention and really smart and clever. Yeah. And then he finds out that like she had like her room isn't as good as uh, as he believes it is. And like she's been like sneaking him mints and things. But like instead of him actually like like they're being she doesn't get anything mm-hmm. like she sneaks him a uh, what what it, like a chocolate swan or whatever she said. Yeah. And then it means he doesn't get like she didn't get one. Right. And, and so like all of a sudden he's like, oh, my God. You've been doing this for me, and it's like, you think I'm worth that? Right. Of course I do. Yeah. And then he finds out that, like, but you don't get to enjoy any of this either. Yeah. We haven't been able to enjoy any of these. Like, you're all about food. You finally get to enjoy and eat all this food that you really want to. And it's already been four days. Right. For this last day, we're going to go and eat every single thing you've ever wanted to eat. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that it's, it's a thing of, like, you know her interests and no one ever asking her about those things yeah but then him being like i want to know about like you what did you do for fun on Mm -hmm. earth like what did you and her maybe even realizing like i don't she didn't know have a thing yeah yeah it was always whatever whatever everyone else wanted to do right yeah and i think that that's a that is a flaw that people have that is like a secret flaw yeah like no one really notices because from the outside, you're just like, this person's great. Yeah, it's hard to know if you're not the person. Right. Because they're taking care of you. Right. Right. Yeah. So I I think that those, I do. Yeah, I think those complement each other quite well. I like that. Yeah. Cool. All right. So then that's kind of our main characters. Let's talk about fleshing out the world a little bit. Because like set design, scenic design, whatever, I'm, that's certainly not my area of expertise either. But sure. I don't want this world to be populated by assholes. Sure. So how how do you talked about what you kind of want for the prosecutor, mm-hmm. but we haven't really talked about like the rip torn defender yet. Yeah. I or think... the judges, of which whatever. I don't think there really need to be judges. Yeah, well, yeah. 
I also, I also, uh, I kind of want to add like a jury, um, to the situation because I think that that's, I think that there's a really cool moment you could have where the jury have deliberated or whatever and decided yeah. like they both need to go back and then like, you know, maybe like one of the juries, one of the jurors switches their vote. Here's and my that's pi- what lets them go. Here's my pitch on the jurors. Yeah. I think the jurors are different versions of who they could have been. Mm, interesting. And so the jury has to think, okay, this version that it did exist is better yeah. than all the versions of us that could have existed. Yeah. Or and bec- and we didn't exist, and so like, it, but if it turns out that this was the better version, interesting. Then great, they get to move on. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um, also, less casting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I I think with the defender, I think it is a thing where they are like Riptorn, very much on their side. Because Riptorn didn't seem that way. Oh, really? Not at all. He was he was constantly needling. Hmm, interesting. Like, all the time. Okay. I didn't see it that way. It's like, oh, yeah. We call you guys little brains. <laughs> it's, oh, you, you, you just have a hang up on that. That's a bit, that's a hang up. I'm, that's I, just part of the world building. I'm Sam. just so used to the goddamn, my, oh, no, I'm, I'm using that as an example. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, I'm, like, as an example of the larger thing, like, there were so many microaggressions uh-huh. of it's just constantly needling and, like, saying he wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Constantly. Yeah. And, like, but oh, you, you don't need to understand that. Oh, you wouldn't get it. But you but you take away the big brain, small brain thing, and that just goes away by itself. Sure. Because it's all related to that. Yeah, and it's, it's fucked up everywhere. Yeah. But, but he was also just kind of an asshole in general, but that just might be who Rip Torn is as a human being. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he wasn't like that in Men in Black. No. Um, I just think... He, he just, like, the big brain, little brain thing aside, I never got us Like, it always felt like a job that he was doing mm. and it didn't feel like it was something he would have chosen to do. Mm-hmm. It felt like he was doing it because it was like, ah, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I don't care about you. I'm just, just like, you're the thing I'm doing this week. Right. Right. And so it's just it, like, he, it, it felt like to him, Daniel was an obligation instead of an opportunity. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm, I think that the other part of it, I think the larger question is what do they get out of this? Sure. Like, what are they, why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that goes back to what I'd said earlier of Riptorn has this line of we're all cogs in the grand universe and right. everyone serves a purpose. There are people who genuinely would enjoy doing something like this. Sure. And if this is the place where they love and this yeah. is the thing that like it's, it's what they're really good at and really enjoy because being really good at something and enjoying it are two very different things. Mm-hmm. But if this is the place where they feel like they belong, then great. Mm-hmm. They get to help people every week. Mm-hmm. And eat the prosecutors or defenders, and they can go back and forth. Oh, this week I'm a defender. This week I'm a prosecutor. That was going to be my pitch because we're doing Julia and Daniel both defending their lives. Yeah. Um, then I think that in one scenario, you have, you have you know, with da- they, they swap places depending right. on who the defendant is. Yeah, I agree. I think I, that's great. I think that's good because then it leaves the moment at the end where they can both just kind of look at each other and be like, yeah they're, yeah, they're ready. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But I do think it all does come down to that that cock and the machine thing mm-hmm. and like what what it means to be like a proper piece of that machine. Yeah. And I think that that is maybe the thing that they believe in the most. Mm-hmm. And that's how you make it a positive thing of just like, I think 
I genuinely have looked at your file and I genuinely believe that you are you you've done what you've done and I'm going to defend you mm-hmm. with every ounce of my uh, of my being yeah. right um I'm not going to just bail one day mm-hmm. um <laughs> because I got lost or whatever I would love to have a moment for either the, the the defender or the prosecutor where we get to see that they have a list of every single person they've worked with and they remember every single one and like I really was able to help this person or I feel so terrible. Like this person went back to earth and they came back later and they, they were better, but like they had to spend an extra life. And yeah. I, I feel like I could have done be- like something where it's like, it shows that they are personally affected by what's happening of like, they, they, they love it and they get to like, Oh man, let me tell you about all these people who I got to help because I did such a good do- job defending them. Or yeah. because when I was a prosecutor, like I really was able to hit the point of what their problem was. Right. Right. Like I want to show that, that these people will carry this with them in a positive way, hopefully. Because, mm-hmm. like, worst case scenario, the person goes back and lives another life, and that's too well, bad. No, but worst, here are the people I get to. No, worst case scenario, which they, they mention and they never mention again. Oh, yeah. If you go back too many times, well, you can't use this piece. Got to get a new one. Throw they, them away. Yeah. I, they just, they're just done. Yeah. Um, which is uh, terrifying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think so. In Judaism, uh-huh. there Ju- Judaism doesn't have a concept of hell. Uh-huh. There is a holding station very much like this called Gehenna. I might be getting the pronunciation wrong. Pronunciation. Excellent. Good job, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and basically, the mourning period for someone in Judaism is 11 months. And the idea is that this is the time when you are being cleansed of the sins you committed in life because everybody goes to heaven. Mm-hmm. Except if you are just bad. Yeah. Like Hitler, it doesn't matter. They don't even get to go through the Hina, Gehina. They're just destroyed. There's there's no redemption from them. It's not that they were kind of a shitty person. They were pure evil. Uh-huh. They get destroyed. They get thrown out. They're gone. Interesting. But everyone else, if you're just kind of a piece of shit, you, you go through the full 11 months. Uh-huh. But if you're a mostly decent person, three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. And then and then you move on to the next thing and everyone moves on. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the idea of why would we waste our time torturing someone for all eternity? They were bad. Destroy the soul. Like like pure evil bad. Yeah, yeah. And like so that's kind of the idea of like and that that's why the mourning period is that long because it's like by mourners showing that they cared, this person positively affected me, you can make their time in this afterlife cleansing period shorter because you're helping them get through it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the original point was that led to this, but uh, yeah. So about the people who, the people who get destroyed. Yeah. I don't think it's something that like, so I, I don't like that. It's if you go back to earth too many times, I guess we're throwing you away. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's more like uh, the movie soul where we have this soul that has been through as many mentors as it's been possible to have. And they just haven't found it yet. Mm-hmm. They'll get there eventually. Yeah. The important thing is they've never been pure evil. Right. And they're not not trying. Mm-hmm. So something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so I'm saying I don't think you need to worry about going back too much. I think you're going to be okay. Okay, thanks. You don't strike me as someone who's pure evil. <laughs> that's good. But so I th- basically what I'm saying is I think you're going to be okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. It's it. I do think that there needs to be something that the lawyers get out of it. 
and I don't like there has to be stakes in it for them. And that is one that is one of the problems, one of the larger problems I think with this movie is that there there doesn't seem to be any stakes for them. Mm-hmm. Which is why I wanted to tweak the prosecutor, but oh, I great. but I do think that Rip, Rip Torn's character needs to be tweaked as well somehow, okay. but I don't know what well, what if the defender and the prosecutor choose this as an option instead of going back to Earth themselves? Mm, and they're doing this because it's they're trying to fo- help other people find enlightenment because they think it will bring them closer to enlightenment mm. because otherwise they also will have to go back to Earth. Yeah. And for whatever reason, their times on Earth were always bad. Yeah. Like they... they they're 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 what happens to the people who go back too many times they become lawyers yeah that's a good joke yeah Great. there you go that's your answer yeah i think that's it good. okay there we go now they have stakes yep good solved okay done um love that cool. i also would love for there to be witnesses yes of course um there have to be witnesses yeah i think there needs to be witnesses people because, from your life right people from your life and they're like are they dead and they're like no but we're but you know all of this time in the afterlife is nebulous. Jeremy bear me and all that. Yeah, right. And so it's just they're not from your perspective, but from their perspective they are and now they're here to either help your defense or help the prosecution. If you are dead, which means you're both outside space and if you're outside space, you're outside time. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I think it's something like that. Yeah. I think that I think that would help a lot too. I do like Yeah, it's weird when it's just four people in a room and you're in a revolving chair. Yes. Yeah, I want it to be more like a court. Yeah. I think. I, agree I don't with you. like that the judge is like looming over him in the back either. Yeah. Well, I think like they turn around and watch a screen, which I get is just based on like limitations at the time, but I think it's like they bring in this witness and the witness beca- like starts doing the scene with them and then the scene forms around like in terms of like production oh, forms yeah. around them and then we see they are doing like the, the judge even said like or Rip Torn said this is going to feel very very real yeah and then they watch a TV right I think it should be real like yeah. you were reliving this thing like he's having this conversation with his father yeah and like they bring in his dad is like oh no right like he, when he died I thought I'd never have to see him again and I was secretly glad yeah like like one of those kind of relationships and like yeah. oh my god and like all of a sudden he like shrinks down and is this child again having to live this scene and do this scene right. And then at the end of it, he sits back down in the chair and it is, and then all of that. So right. I think that's, I think that's good. The version definitely let's, makes let's it not more watch TV. Vi- visually appealing. Yeah, less uh, uh, teachers hungover today. Yes, and let's watch a t- let's watch a TV screen. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Okay, so then the only other thing I think we need to talk about is the end. Okay, do you want it to be trams and? And you, because you mentioned that you want them both getting out of their tram and running to each other. Yeah. Do you want it to be trams? Do you want it to be an actual airport? Well, I kind of, I you know, I don't mind the trams, and and maybe that's the theme park side, theme yeah, park fan. I also did not mind the trams. I'm just asking. Yeah, I I think you could do something slightly more interesting than the trams, but they can't be too fast, or they're gonna like it's it's gonna be difficult. Yeah, it's like it's in. There was a lot of stuff happening in this world that felt unintentional mm-hmm. and it felt like no this is all a test like the fact that uh, uh the prosecutor brought up dinner last night yeah. i loved that yes. because i'm like no you're still this person yeah that she's that, proving that you haven't grown right and i thought that that was good and important yes and like i think no no like this is all a test yeah 
there are a lot of opportunities, like a lot of little things around her that you could have done to show that you were better. Like this is heaven and you still dealt with the same rules as earth. Yeah. Or why? Yeah. 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 And I think, I think too, and this is a very little thing, but I wish that there had been, so, you know, they, they, they show that sort of um, collection of, of scenes of him like being an idiot. Uh Um, and I wish that there had been, uh, like a moment where he couldn't figure out how to like do something. And it's because he didn't think like, like, okay, like the seatbelt that they put him in, right? Right. They put him in that seatbelt. It's a very complicated seatbelt that has like six steps. Right. And what I would like to have seen is a, is a scene in his life where he, realized that he wanted to change something but couldn't because he couldn't figure out how to do this thing because he didn't think that he wanted to do it until it was too late. Right. Right. And so in the moment then later with the seatbelt, he's watching him put the seatbelt on and remembering all the steps and then that's how he gets out of it. Okay. Is because he was already thinking, oh, I don't, I don't want to be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's sort of like, it's like, because he wasn't thinking about that ahead of time mm-hmm. in his life, it was like, I, I can't get out of this stupid thing or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very specific scenario. And I think, I think for Julia, it's going to be like, in order to, for, to her to get off her tram, she's going to have to shove people out of her way. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's going to have to be, she's going to have to not, like, she's going to have to put her own, herself first in front of like, like she keeps conductor. saying, excuse me. Yeah, or even it's like, don't get off the tram. I'm going to get in trouble if you get off the tram. You can deal with it. Right. I, I got to go do this thing. This is more important than you getting in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different good. kind of final tests. Yeah. 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 Good. No, that's good. Cool. All right. Is there anything else we've missed uh, when talking about the remake of this movie? I think so. All right. I guess it's time for cast. Okay. It's not a very extensive cast. Like, I did four people. Correct. Which was interesting for me because on the poster was five people. And I looked up who they all were, and one of them, I had no idea where in the movie this person was. I wasn't sure who it was. I didn't have an idea, and I was like, I, I couldn't. It was just a generic old white guy, and I was like, either it's the judge or it's the other prosecutor that came in for a moment. I had no clue who this other dude was. Now I need to look this up. It was um, the prosecutor, whose name is, I want to say Lee Grant, but I don't know if that's right. The poster? Yeah. Like the IMDb poster. Oh, the IMDb poster. Okay. Yeah, like the the movie poster. Yeah, well, the movie poster is just uh, just Albert Brooks and um, yeah, but uh, there's Meryl names Street. on it. Like there was the Albert Brooks, oh, Meryl Streep the above names. it. Names. Okay. Yeah. Let me see. And so then, like, there was Albert Brooks, Meryl Streep, Rip Torn. I think her, the prosecutor's name is Lee Grant. Uh-huh. And then third name, Buck Henry. Buck Henry. And I was like, who? Yeah. And I couldn't, like, I looked up and I saw the guy's name and it was just a name. And I, I was like, I think it's the other process. I was like, some, some dude got fifth building. And I'm like, I'm not recasting you, but good for you, buddy. Yeah. Lee Grant was Lena Foster. That's the prosecutor, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So her name was Lee Grant. Yeah. <laughs> I remembered a thing. God, I don't know. I can't even find this person. in the. Oh, That's... there he is. Dick Stanley. Oh, is this the comedian? That would be weird. I feel like. Dick Stanley was the other defender, excuse me. Oh, yeah, you're right. It was? Yeah, okay. yeah. And the, I was like, why does this... Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, don't know why he's in the, on the, on the credit on the He poster. must be he, some other Hollywood. Thing. Yeah, I don't All know. Right. Who knows? Anyway, Daniel Miller. 
Yes. Uh, who were you thinking for? What age were you thinking for these two characters? Um, I was thinking uh, a, a relatively close to their age. I think they're in their early 40s, but I, yeah. I think I went a little younger than that. But... I went a little older, but yeah. Okay, interesting. Because um, like, like, I, I was thinking, like, we have to show that they're not old, yeah. but like, they lived a life. Right, right. But, and also, uh, I didn't realize these two people I cast were as old as they are. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, so I, I wanted somebody who had a similar energy to Albert Brooks. Okay. Um, and so I went with Sam Richardson. Okay. Um, For people who don't know or who don't have their laptop in front of them. Yes. Who is Sam Richardson? Sam Richardson is the lead in uh, After Party, the After Party, which is the um, uh, Chris Christopher Miller and Phil Lord show on Apple TV+. Plus. Oh, buddy, you need to watch that. That okay. is very much your shit. Oh, great. Yeah. I have never heard of it until this moment. It I, is. I know nothing about this show. Um, it is It is a whodunit um, about somebody is murdered at a um, high school reunion after party. And uh, every episode is a Rashomon style, their recollection of the events, but it's in a different genre. Oh, my God. That is so my shit. Yeah. It's in a different movie genre are, each time. Why are you the first person to tell me? But I am mad at all of my friends who are listening right I, now. I don't know. One You're ep- all wrong. One episode is like a high school comedy. Another Ugh. episode is a musical. Another episode is an animated Once episode. I'm done with my rewatch of Gravity Falls, I'm watching that next. Yes. Um. Anyway, very much your shit. Yeah. So he's the lead in that. Um. He is also... Trying to think about what else you would have seen him in. I just um, need to see his face. Yeah. He's in <laughs> that's the main thing. I thought for sure you would have seen it. Um, uh, he's he's in Veep. Yeah, he is in Veep. He, like I so I've used him in uh I know we make casting stuff before. Like he's in Veep and uh Oh yeah, he was in Ted Lasso. He was the African like king or prince or right, right, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I that's like the one thing I've seen him in. Uh, but like I have looked him up and looked up things about him. He is very funny. He's great. Yes. Uh, I like Sam Richardson. Mm-hmm. I also was kind of going with someone who had kind of the same energy. Cause I don't think it was like the energy of the character that was necessarily at fault. Yeah. Necessarily. It's an Albert Brooks movie. If you yeah. don't have Albert Brooks energy, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but I went with someone who was like, could do big and do small. Like you think of him as being like this big bombastic guy, mm-hmm. but also can be very personal. Mm-hmm. So I went with Jason Menzoukas. Oh, okay. Interesting. Who turns out is 49. Yeah. Which, like, you don't think about it, but he is. Yeah. And so I was like, all right. He basically wasn't like, he didn't break out until he was like 40. Yeah. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. And he's just so enthusiastic to do everything now. And I think he's great. Yeah. Um, But I think, like, he has kind of the right energy. And he had the kind of energy that I wanted Albert Brooks to have in the movie of, like, Mm questioning everything and calling everybody on their shit yeah which is probably why i went with him because like jason manzoukas wouldn't let some of this stuff fly sure and albert brooks was just like oh all right yeah and i get that that's the point of the movie but also (laughs) bothered me yeah and so i think it'll matter who we pair daniel with but what what's interesting is a not only have have you used Sam Richardson before, I have, but you've also used Jason Manzukis before on an episode that we did. Did I? But you you cast him as Doc, and it was one of the most brilliant oh casting choices Thank I think you. you've ever done. <laughs> was Fair. was Jason Manzukis as, as I Doc. don't remember? <laughs> yeah, because we had that great joke about like him being like everybody thinks I'm a terrorist, Marty, and he's like, why do they think that? I don't know. I'm Greek. <laughs> Oh, that is a good joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, 
That's a really good joke. Yeah. I came up with that? Yes, you did. That's that's really good. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Yeah. It is gone. <laughs> cool. Uh, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I think I think no matter who we um, pair it with, but yes. uh, who do you? Uh, you went first for that one. So I think um, Julia also needs to kind of. I, I think Meryl Streep is perfect in the movie mm-hmm. because she's good at everything she does. But I think like she also kind of. We, I'm going for that kind of energy of someone who is kind of the person around her, but also kind of secretly is like, yeah, I, I did some good things. It's no big deal, right? And someone who like has that little bit of self-confidence in the things that they do, but also can be very caring, I guess, for what we're doing uh, to to the nth degree, to a, a dangerous degree. Mm. And, I mean, I think it she needs to be the lead in more movies, and that's why I went, went with Judy Greer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's what I thought would work. I love Judy a, Greer. Yeah. A Jason Manzoukas, Judy Greer parent. How old is Judy Greer? 46. Okay. I don't know how old Sam Richardson is. He doesn't have his birthday on IMDb. So it would have to be a legitimate Google. Um, he is 38 years old. 38. Okay. Okay. For so, the purposes of this movie, like that doesn't necessarily bother me. It's it also like, doesn't... It's outside of time, whatever. Yeah, it also doesn't matter because they're, they're both dead. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, it, it's irrelevant. Yeah. But uh, I went Un- with... Unless, unless you're casting a, a 50-year-old person and a 22-year-old. Sure. Then it's a problem. Right. But yeah, 38, 46, not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, so I went with, uh, I just thought about some of my like favorite working actresses right now. Um, and somebody who will always get my button in a seat is, uh, uh, uh Kristen Milioti. I just think that she, and she also like really likes. Oh yeah. And she's wonderful. She's wonderful. And she really likes this, like these sort of like genre, like indie kind of genre kind of vibe I, things. I, I did. So I did this the last time we remade a movie and I pulled a lot of stuff from Palm Springs. Yeah. And I was like. I can't do that again. Sure. <laughs> but it's the right tone. Yeah. <laughs> it's really honestly, much the right tone. Honestly, you could just get everybody from Palm Springs to just remake Defending Your Life and you, you would get would a, work a banger perfect. of a movie. Yeah. Like, like, I thought about that. I was like, no. 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 But you're right. Yeah. She is 36. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she's my age. Yeah, I, yeah. I could have told you that. <laughs> yeah. August 1985. I, yes. I had to do math because it didn't just tell me the age. Google getting in my way again. <laughs> Google's always been out to get me. Yeah. You hear this, Google? I'm on to you. But uh, yeah, so I, I just think that she would be a really good fit for this movie. And it's also a character type that I haven't seen her do before. Um, the version of the character that we're sure. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she always has a little bit more of an edge than I think the character we're looking for in this movie has. Yeah, she typically has like more of a selfish edge to her. Yeah. Rather than a pushover right. energy. And I think that... I think I would be interested in seeing her play that. Role. Although I guess the same thing could be said of Judy Greer as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and there's a metatextual element to her being a pushover of of Judy Greer oh, being a yes. pushover because of like she's always the right. She's the best always friend. the yes. Yeah. So I think if we were to mix and match a little bit, I think we could do Sam Richardson and Judy Greer, but I don't think we could do Jason Manzukis and uh, Krista Milioti. Correct. So let's do Sam Richardson and Judy Greer. Yeah, sure. That sounds good. It's harder to do. I don't have a table. <laughs> I brought my pen from home because it's a pen that I can't make noise with and oh. when I fidget with it. <laughs> and that's, I'm like, this is a good pen. That's good. Like, it even has the thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, so that brings us to the prosecutor and the defender. 
I went first for Julia. So why don't you tell me? Do you want to do Rip Torn first or uh, Lena Foster? So I, I his went, name is Rip Torn. It's not Bob Diamond. Yeah, it's Rip Torn. So I went with I, I, I changed things up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cast for the Defender. I cast uh, Patrick Brewster. Um, who is uh, she? She has a long, long history on Criminal Minds, and it <laughs> really bothers me because she is so much better than Criminal Minds. Um, she is like she has like this really great comedic background, and uh, the big thing that I fell in love with her from was Thrilling Adventure Hour, um, where she was in uh, Beyond Belief, and uh, as uh, as as Sadie, I, she's so funny. And I wish she did more. She's also the voice of um, Huey, Dewey, and Louie's mom on DuckTales. Oh, that's fun. There you go. Uh, so <laughs> I've seen two episodes. Okay, yeah. So I she, know I would like, like, it's one of the shows I'm like, I like this. And then I like, I never made time to go back because there are all, always other things to watch. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, she's done that. She does like a lot of comedy stuff. She, she's actually very similar. I don't know that they've ever done anything together, but she's very similar to, what is his name? He's uh, bald. He's on a Law and Order, but then he like did a bunch of comedy stuff when he left Law and Order. Oh no, I know he was the thing. No, that's Michael Chiklis. Yeah, I'm thinking of Michael Chiklis. Are you not? He thinking was about not Michael in Law and Order. He was, he was in the in Shield. His, uh, yes. This is now. I'm going to look up his name. But yeah, <laughs> very similar to him in terms of like because he did the, uh, the the that summer camp movie, the really goofy summer. Wet camp Hot movie. American Summer. Yes, he did all the Wet Hot American Summer oh, movies. He uh, was the, uh, the, uh, the cafeteria guy. Christopher Maloney. Christopher Maloney, yes. Um, yeah, that's two episodes. No, I don't know what order these are coming out in. It might not be two episodes in a row. No spoilers. So so anyway, I only bring him <laughs> up to say that, that he she has a very similar career to him and yeah. that he, like her, were they were both buried in a procedural yeah. forever. And, and then... When they left, they were like, I'm free. And they just did tons of comedies and stuff. It turns out I'm amazing. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, but, but I think being on a procedural that long would give her the edge of like, oh, I could play a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Like, no problem. Yeah. But also, I'm going to endow her with these like quirky elements. Right. Because, you know, I have this background in comedy. I think she would be uh, a really, really excellent um, sort of social worker take on the Defender. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So for my defender, I kind of went in a different direction. I went with someone that Daniel might be kind of judging up top of like, like first impression of like, oh, you're going to defend me of like that very human of first impressions mean a lot. And it's like, buddy, if you were more enlightened, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. You don't know how good I am. Right. You're judging me based on appearances. Yeah. Don't do that. Okay. That's not going to help our case. Okay. Uh, So I, I haven't seen this guy do that much. Apparently he's in the Martian. I don't remember where. I most people know him from Ted Lasso, but I saw him do stand up prior to that. He's an actor named Nick Muhammad. Oh, he plays Nathan on Ted Lasso. Yeah, and he's very good. Yeah, and he's also very funny. Yeah, in a different way. Like his stand up is very, very different from the character he plays on Ted Lasso. Yeah, and I remember like watching uh, one of his bits on Eight Out of Ten Cats does Countdown and just dying. Mm-hmm. Like he's a very, very funny, silly comedian who can also be very, very subtle and. Also, you've seen what he does on Ted Lasso. Sure. And so I thought that that would kind of be more, he can kind of play some of the rip-torn elements of like, I'm a defender. I'm here to help you. This is important to me. Don't be a dick. Mm -hmm. And I just thought he'd be a a fun choice for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like, I do like him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like what you said about the, the, the appearances being deceiving sort of thing. Yeah. Interesting. 
Uh, who did you have for your prosecutor? So, uh, so she's someone who's been very like you see her like doing a lot of dramas and being very serious, and then finally when she's given a chance to be funny in The Spy and Deadpool, she's hilarious, mm-hmm. and that's uh, Marina Baccarin. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I could see that as well. I went with Peter Gallagher for mine. Uh, for my for my prosecutor because I've seen him be an asshole right in in lots of things but he's also the best TV dad ever um, Sandy Cohen and and uh, the OC um, <laughs> and so you know going back to the way that I saw the the prosecutor of like looks tough looks and acts tough and tough as nails like he's out to get you but then having that moment of break of like leveling with him and just being like no look. Yeah, this is what's actually happening here, mm-hmm. and I think I think that he has that sort of he would be able to jump between those two things very very easily. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We both we gen- we <laughs> we I I gender bent mine and you did not, and so as a result, it's, I, f- I it's like it's like uh, either we're gonna have if we mix and match, we're gonna have two women or two men. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also <laughs> I went with two not white people, and you went with two white people. That's true. And so that I'm trying to get around as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't particularly care about the gender mm. for either of these. And mm-hmm. I think any one of the four people we picked could play either role. That's true. And Are we, well, they're literally going to because that exactly they're going to flip flop. Yeah. So. Why don't we do Nick Muhammad and Patrick Brewster? Yes. Okay. Yes, I agree with that. Okay. And that's just, the two, they're the two lawyers. It's not prosecutor, defender, because they're both going to do both. Cool. All right. All right. So we have our two uh, defendants. It's defending your life. I guess they're defendants. Yeah. And our two lawyers. Yes. I don't have any other cast. No. Because there's no other cast. Right. Other than, like, oh, this is Sam. Boy, she sure is smart. Yeah. Right. Moving on. Right. Oh, man. I, uh, okay. So I'm one of the people in this movie who you actually get to see enjoying all of the food. I, I owned, uh, uh, strip clubs. Yeah. I'm the one who came up with the phrase all, all nude. nude. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Clearly this person is like a bad person. <laughs> also, but he's also the only person who's actually enjoying <laughs> yeah. Judgment City. Yeah. So it's like, that was weird. Yeah, it is. Weird, fat phobic, whatever. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got our writer and we've got our director. You said you have a hyphenate. No. Oh, you don't have a hyphenate. You no. have two separate people. Okay. Yes. So let's talk about writer. Okay. Um, like I said, I, I think I may have said this before we started recording. Uh I uh I, I I got people who you would like. Okay. So let me tell you about my writer. Okay. My writer can do comedy, and that, like that's where you gotta start. That's where a lot of people get their start, but like also can do and he can do terrible comedy, which I will mention, but also can do some of the most heartwarming, heartfelt shit you've ever seen. Mm. This is a guy who got a start on the Mighty Boosh. Like, okay. does silly stuff. And then, like, wrote on Space Force. Okay. Which is bad. Okay. But he also wrote Paddington and Paddington 2. Oh, okay. Which I think also kind of has the kind of tone we're going for of heartfelt, sweet, just trying to make people better. Yeah. And I thought that that seemed important for what we were uh, leading towards. Sure. And you seem like someone who likes Paddington and Paddington too. I do. Yeah. So, I don't know. I thought... I love that bear. Paul King would be a good writer for this. Yeah. No, I could see that. Absolutely. 
I love Paul King. I don't love the Mighty Boosh, but I do love Paul King. Yeah, that that's another thing. It's like, oh, we did this here at this point in time. We shouldn't do these anymore. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tried watching that. Uh, I have expressly not. Yeah. Is. There's some British comedy that I'm like, I, I can't go back to this. Like, I, I would love to know more about this particular comedian. I can't. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I went with uh, Jack Schaefer, who is most known currently for being the showrunner of WandaVision. Okay. So she did that. She's also uh, been on the blacklist a couple of times with screenplays that have never been produced sure that's how um, the blacklist works yeah but uh, yeah always um almost always or if they get turned into a movie or they already had a deal and then we're on the blacklist yeah yeah well yeah. uh jack schaefer uh to me she is most notable for writing and directing um a movie called timer uh which is a movie that i absolutely adore okay um, about people who you the the concept the sci-fi concept of it is that you get a a timer installed in your wrist that will count down to the moment that you're going to meet the one. So it's not the one with Justin Timberlake no. and uh, no. Amanda Seyfried. No, no. That is about like the moment you're going to die. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Called, that's called timeless. Oh, uh, no. I think it's it's called something. No, it's not timeless. What is it called? Something Shoot. time. Doesn't Andrew. matter. Uh, oh, not about time. On time? I don't know. Anyway. The important thing, time. Timer is the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is, It is, and it's about this woman who has hers installed, her timer installed, but it hasn't turned on yet because whoever her one is hasn't gotten theirs installed yet. And so it's oh. about her trying to find the one, dealing with the fact that, should I just date people? What if my timer <laughs> turns on? Like, because it's like... I'm waiting for the one, and it's this whole it's 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 an incredible movie. I mean, the nice thing is that like she does get to have this uh, immediate like oh they have a timer, and it's not them, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's constantly dating people who don't have timers, and then getting them to go install their timer, and then their timer turns on and hers doesn't. I like it. Yeah, it's fun. It's great. I will let you borrow it. Yeah, um, I was I gonna have, say like that feels like a very uh, Scott approved movie. Yes, um, I, I will happily borrow it. It's fantastic. Uh, so that's my choice because I just think that. One, I really want her to write something original again because mm-hmm. I think that she has a really unique voice. I love her Marvel stuff, you know. Um, I'm excited for Captain Marvel 2, which she also wrote, apparently. Great. Yeah, but I I just would love for her to, like, get back to, like, doing something not Marvel. Yeah. Um, because she's just been on that train now for, like, five or six years. Yeah, I, I hear it's a very uh... – Full-time job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I would, love, I would love for her to do this. But, um, cool. but All right. Yeah. Yeah. Who'd you have for your director? So for my director, this is, a, this is weird, uh, but I actually went with Ben Stiller. And I went with Ben Stiller because I find that his visual aesthetic is very interesting uh-huh. as a director. Okay. And I think he's very good with actors, which is – I think you would need that. So he has both – both things you need to make this movie, right. I think, a, a proper remake. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I like the idea that he's Jewish. <laughs> I do. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, my director, based on last name alone, also Jewish, oh, good. if that helps. Okay. That's great. I love that. <laughs> um, as, a, as a Jewish person, I really like that. Uh, okay. Um, so my director I picked because uh, weird romantic pairings are kind of his thing. Mm. Long shot. 50-50, warm bodies. Oh. Those are all 
interesting romantic pairings going through people different times in their lives. Yeah. This director's name, Jonathan Levine. Yeah. I like Jonathan Levine, but I do think that he is a little crapshoot. Well, so is Penn Stiller. They both are. Um, <laughs> they're both kind of a crapshoot on I mean, quality. Th- there's something to be said for like, they're the things that they're known for, and then there's yeah. everything else. And that's going to be true for just about anybody. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, either one would be good. Yeah. God, you just, but as soon as you said him, I was just like, oh man, in a, in another universe, Seth Rogen would be a really good Daniel also. Oh, yeah, he would. Yeah. Um, He's doing a lot more producing now. That's true. But he would be a good. He would be a good Daniel. I mean, to be fair, we're just going to actually go back and remake this with everyone from uh, 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 Palm Springs, so it's irrelevant. That's true. But nonetheless. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Either way, I mean, I guess if I had to choose, I would say maybe we do Jack Schaefer for writer and yeah, I've already Jonathan Levine, the, Jonathan Levine, yeah, yeah, J and J, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, that makes sense to me. It makes more sense, I think. Well, no, Paul King and Ben Stiller would make sense too. I, but I think Jack Schaefer has more um, of a romantic bone, yeah, versus Paul King, who I like a lot. But yes, yes, I would rather go with Jack Schaefer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's it. I think we have defending your life. Yeah. Let's go through our very short list. Okay. Daniel Miller will be played by Sam Richardson. Julia, whose last name he never learns, (laughs) uh, will be Judy Greer. Lena Foster and Bob Diamond, our two lawyers, will be Patrick Brewster and Nick Muhammad. Mm -hmm. All this will be written by Jack Schaefer and then directed by Jonathan Levine. Good. That's defending your life. You going to go see this movie? Yeah, I'd see it. Cool. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, fun stuff. Still think it should be a TV show, but yeah, I mean, you pitched it and was like, yeah, yeah, that's the show. <laughs> it's the it's the infinity train of uh, defending your life. Mm-hmm. Every season follows a different person on the train. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 Anyway, cool. Def- defending your life. Yeah. So Scott, thank you so much for uh, being a guest and making me watch this movie that i didn't like <laughs> sorry that's all right it's gonna happen i knew it was either it was gonna go either way um either i was like <laughs> i was like either he's really gonna like this or he's gonna hate it yeah um, so that's okay it yeah. happens yeah but more importantly tell people about all of your various things that they already know about uh sure if you haven't already uh check out franchiseography the podcast that i co-host with nick jimenez um, my writing partner and we just go through the history and development of different franchises, one movie at a time. Um, so the, we started this last year and we've done Scream and Men in Black and X-Men and Spy Kids. And um, we did the films of Wes Anderson. Uh, and we are, we, we've done, we just recently wrapped up on Twilight and The Matrix. Um, we are about to do Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, <laughs> so uh so yeah uh it's 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 a fun show and it is um mostly focused on the development of like how did this movie happen in either a good way or a bad way mm-hmm. um but we try to look at it from, it's an actual how did this get made right where you actually ask the question right and and attempt to actually answer it right which um, i find to be important and relevant yes <laughs> so which is why i started listening to that other show i love the how did this get made but it's not how did this get made no it's not it's more of just how did this happen yeah yeah um this movie's so bad yeah. um but uh yeah we are legitimately trying to go into like the history of the development of these franchises and, and they're it's, very 
deep dives and it's very fascinating. It's super fun to listen to. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, so check that out. And, uh, and you have a Doctor Who podcast. I do. The Doctor's Companion. It is on hiatus right now um, as we focus on franchiseography, but uh, it will be coming back shortly after the next special which i think is airing easter weekend the the next uh the i guess the penultimate episode for the 13th doctor and for those who don't know when's easter um good i don't know okay <laughs> I, I i i i i would say i would say most christians probably don't even know um, uh, april it changes, sometime right? it changes every year oh, okay. it's one of those like yeah yeah things that move with it's the, on a sunday yeah it's on a sunday keep check every sunday check <laughs> and if it's up you got it yeah. also go eat some eggs yeah i think it's I think it's, I don't know. Anyway, um, it's usually either late March or like early to mid April, something like that. Like <laughs> somewhere in there. I could look it up right now, but I'm not, we're going not going to. to. Um, uh, and social medias. Yes. Follow me at Scott Corelli. Um, listen to Geek by Night, my original podcast audio drama, mm-hmm. um, which I created and, uh, co-write with my writing partners, Nick Jimenez and Cass Fredrickson, also my co-hosts on uh, the Doctor's Companion. Yes. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> so check all of that out. It is a superhero adjacent um, uh, uh, comedy series about uh, nerds who run a comic book store and get superpowers. Um, but it's not like like an 80s Revenge of the Nerds nerds. It's like modern nerds, um, you know, who are like real human beings. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actual people. Yeah. But it's, who, not, it's not the Big Bang Theory. But um, who like the things that are now currently popular. Right, right. It's fine. So uh, so check that out and appreciate everybody uh, for doing so. And Sam, thank you for having me on the show yet again. You're very welcome. You're welcome anytime. If people are interested in finding out more about me, I'm at Twitter at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. Or you can follow the podcast at Ideal Remake on Twitter or Instagram. Or the best thing you can do for Ideal Remake, for Franchiseography, for The Doctor's Companion, or for Geek by Night is by going on to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review mm-hmm. because those are good and that's how other people find us. Yes. And if other people find us, it's more likely that we'll make more of them. That's true. That's how this works. Yep. Uh, so I'm holding future con- uh, content ransom. It's not going to work, but I'm going to try. <laughs> uh, but... The other thing I've been trying to do uh, that trying to get uh, people on the Dueling Genre Network, Scott's Network, to do is I uh, am going to tell you about another podcast on the Dueling Genre Network. Today, I'm going to tell you about Toy Story Minute, which is hosted by Robin Garcia and Jebediah Cat. Basically, it's minute by minute episodes or they go every minute of the movie systematically going through and talking about what's happening in that minute of the movie as they're watching it. So... Basically, yeah, that's how it works. If you're familiar with the minute by minute format, Toy Story Minute is a great place to start or go back to. Um, so yeah, dueling genre podcasts. Uh, so we will end how we always do. Scott, what is your favorite quote from the movie Defending Your Life? Um, oh boy, I always forget this and then I'm thrown. <laughs> um, I don't warn people. No. I know my favorite moment. Yeah. My favorite moment is when uh, Meryl Streep has a noodle and it just doesn't end. Yeah. And it just, it's the longest noodle. Yeah. It's just bite very it. funny bite to it. me. Bite it. Bite it. <laughs> uh, I bring you some pies. Yeah. Um, nine pies for nine days. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. What is it? The whole, I'm, I'm like fast forwarding through the whole movie in my head right now. You have a chocolate fountain? <laughs> or what was it? You have a jacuzzi? Yeah. 
I don't know. It might just be like the it might just be the Japanese guys just <laughs> yelling at everybody. And they're just so joyful. I don't know. Yeah. It's been a lo- really long time since I've had sushi. <laughs> yeah. They're just like go and pee. Yeah. Like it just I don't know. I like those guys. Yeah. It's interesting cuz there's a lot of like a lot of the quotes are like kind of mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love those, but yeah, it's favorite moments, man. It's yeah. Like, it's like that guy being like, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> the, the the little girl. Right. Um, yeah. It's also moments like his comedy club's called The Bomb Shelter, which is just it's yeah. so good. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I failed. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why you're going back. I have failed Judgment City. <laughs> oh, no. No. 